Hello, I'm Jean Christian, and you're listening to Becoming Truth. The following story is an excerpt from my newest book, The Journey into Deep Memory. These whimsical, magical stories are received channelings about our origins as human embodiments. I hope you enjoy listening to it. I would like to read you a story from the book, The Journey into Deep Memory. These are received stories given through the elder, the keeper of the library. As I sit in this world time, I open my inner gate to the stream of memory and knowledge that is there for us all. These stories are creatively and lyrically given in the spirit of the storyteller and are intended to touch our origins and purposes upon this earth. story is called Being Drummed Awake. Today I come with a request. I ask to be returned to the cold and dark landscape of the people of the earth. I want to observe in greater detail those who live in darkness, speak with their hands, and that know the stars intimately. Here we go. I am towed along through a cold and shadowy atmosphere. I feel as though I am a shapeless body curving into the earth, feeling its frozen and stone solid surface move both through me and under me. My progression slows as I am brought close to a community of people. I first sense their presence before their forms gradually pixelate into clarity. It is daytime now, but the gaze of the sun is weakly distant, soft, white, and cold. Amongst this dimly lucid landscape, I see the outlines of structures and people wandering about. Their homes are small and dome-like. I cannot clearly discern what materials they are made of. The elder holds me back. We are not going to be seen right now, he says. I am alarmed, shocked at the idea that we could be seen at all. I just want you to listen. So I listen, and I begin to pick up a mesmerizing, rhythmic sound wafting through the air from inside one of the domes. I hear the familiar echoes of a gathering, singing, drumming, and clapping. Somehow I am certain we will attend this gathering in order to understand more intimately the nature of this occasion and the people themselves. We move, dissolving through the walls, and I see from within them that the walls are made of a coarse, rough fiber pasted together with a dried mud or clay-like substance. The roof is crafted of dense branches and thick leaves, 
I've never seen a structure like this one before. The elder watches me taking in the intricacy of the structure and says, These people are weavers. They braid fibers together for their walls and their clothing. They also use the skins of animals. Though they kill animals, they hold great respect for the sacrifice and they use their gifts with great reverence. Now, inside the dome, warm firelight dances against the woven walls, illuminating the farthest corners of this surprisingly spacious room. People are sitting on a raised bench around the fire. I watch them. I notice their hands as they fly through shapes. They gesture rapidly, crafting stories, clapping, drumming, snapping. They are communicating in a simultaneous way, speaking synchronously with both their hands and their voices. They are recounting and affirming the intention of this circle by speaking it, hearing it, and therefore knowing it in unison. All except for one. She is sitting still, hands motionless on her lap without making a sound. Her stillness is so noticeable amidst the flurry of motion and sound that I realize she is the reason we are here. This story is about her. I see her ashen expression and weak stature. I can feel her sadness and I realize that she's not well in some way. She's gray. Her spirit is grieving. Her silence is so complete that I seem to know she's close to dying. The elder says, She will not die, for they are all here to save her. They are revitalizing her spirit by retracing the mapped lines of her soul's blueprint, its divine intention. They have been doing this for days. This memory is a window into your friend's past. Yes, the one sitting across from you. This is one of the most brilliant and significant memories in her soul's journey. She is surrounded by a loving and powerful community with the capability of holding a ceremony such as this. The ceremony is like being reborn. It reestablishes the path between her intellect and the infinite stream, deeply imprinting it into her neural network. Her capacity to hear, sense, and simply know is expanding, and she is being prepared to step into a far more attuned way of life than she ever experienced before. She sits at a crossroads, parting ways within herself and letting a shroud of unconsciousness drop to the ground behind her. They call this transition 
dropping childhood. Her layers of self are being peeled back like an onion, and as she is drawn into the relentless rhythm of all this sound, she is ignited by the boundless energy streaming from everyone's hands. She is reconnecting to the stars. She is being drummed awake and sung alive. She is being helped in several ways, not only being guided through her transition from childhood, but also attending to her fear. She has become extremely afraid in this world. The ones conducting the ceremony, there are about 30 of them, call it a process of collective guiding. They collectively guide the soul away from the clutches of fear and unconsciousness and thus save their own from defeat. To them, the descent of consciousness into amnesia was seen as threatening. It begins to sever an individual's connection to the blue thread spooling down from the stars, and even though they were wise enough to recognize it as an inevitable consequence of evolving in this world into more density, it was still a great source of sadness. Now, let us retrace her steps for you through the events that led to this moment in the firelight. She was a wanderer. She'd strayed quite far before she was found. She was rarely present in the village. The community held respect for each individual's process allowed her to follow her whims unchecked. But her absences eventually became noticeable, becoming prolonged each time. She was becoming close to the animals, longing to know them and to follow them, to hear their voices and witness their ways. The animals were fascinating to her. I see her now as a shadow following in the footsteps of an animal that resembles some type of ungulate, an ancient deer or caribou, perhaps. The elder continues. She loved their soft fur, their tender eyes. She loved that they were four-legged, as it seems to make more sense than having two, in her opinion. From her perspective, the animal form was better suited to handle the trials of the earthly realm. They are the lucky ones, not her. They were made to be versatile and fully aware. They were always listening with their superior ears. They were uninhibited by selfish opinion. All animals had this quiet spirit to them. They were the right shape. They were positioned perfectly between the earth and the sky. She loved them more than her people. And so she would follow her desire, 
she would leave the village to find them, wandering further and further into the far reaches of the landscape. Eventually, she chose to join a herd of caribou-like animals that she often tracked. She became intimately familiar with them as individuals. Their young ones became her siblings, their mothers her nurturers, and their elders her source of wisdom. They accepted her and let her coexist with them. She adapted to match pace with their perpetual and steady migration, becoming swift and strong. She learned to survive off their diet and would gather while they grazed. She offered what she collected to them and in so doing, intentionally built trust and connection. Then one day, she witnessed an event, a violent death, and her trust in Source broke. This event instilled fear deep into her core. I see the predator, a tremendously large, swift, and ferocious species of cat with its wild, feral eyes and terrifying razor-sharp teeth. The herd that my friend loved and interacted with so intimately was being attacked, and a young doe was torn open, dismembered and destroyed, the rest of the family scattered in terror. The elder continues. She was not in physical danger, for all the embodiments of this era could still become virtually invisible when faced with danger. The people at that time knew how to sink into a silent, still, and passive state, such as they passed unnoticed. They were even odorless. But even though she didn't suffer physical injury, her heart broke, and she collapsed into raw pain and grief. What was once so utterly right was all of a sudden utterly wrong. Death and violence were natural, accepted elements of the cyclic animal realm, but she held a childlike innocence, having never been exposed. Even though sacrifices such as this was a normal aspect of the natural hierarchy in the animal kingdom. It caused such upheaval within her that the stars might as well have been falling out of the sky and all universal order descended into chaos. She experienced an immense sense of loss as if her soul was caving inwards. Witnessing this killing created a trauma that affected her like a physical sickness. She came to the conclusion that this was a world of death, as she saw a likeness between the body of the animal and her own. While she watched the calf be killed and eaten, and heard its screaming, and saw the blood and the bones, she felt it was her own body being chewed and torn apart. 
When she saw the fear in the eyes of the family and watched them running for their lives, she had a sudden realization that her environment was a brutal one. Eventually, she returned to the village, but she was so deeply disturbed that she could not fully re-enter the community. Her people knew this. They could feel her anguish and knew that she had now witnessed firsthand the merciless temperament of the natural world and was made aware of the fragility of the bodies they were all wearing. As the light was leaving her doe friend's eyes, she had tried to follow. But at the moment of death, life just disappeared instantly, snuffed out. It didn't float up or go anywhere. It was just gone without a trace. This was in contrast to when her people died. At the moment of death, the spark of their soul could be seen drifting up towards the stars. There was this innate knowing that this light was life itself. But from this dying creature's body, she saw no light spring forth, and so she grieved deeply. She was then gathered up by the elders, wrapped up and held by her people. She was brought into the communal dome building to be engulfed by the power of their voices. The power of their souls and their voices swept away her fear, drawing her out from the shadows and evoking light-filled memories that they carried with them like precious embers. Glowing memories of their origin, of their descent through the cascading channels of the stars, and of their brethren, both beyond the stars and in other parts of this world. All these memories flooded her mind and immersed her heart and her soul. She was vividly reminded of the uniqueness of her conscious, undying being. I begin to understand now the words in the song they are singing. Their meaning emerges from the sounds like images coming into focus. We are souls borrowing the bodies of the animals. We are stars descended, containing undying life in a dying body. We do not follow the animals past their death. All of this wisdom is being imprinted into her. In the process, everyone else is being deepened as well. By entering the eternal temple and exploring the archives of deep memory, true peace is instilled as the community remembers they are merely sojourners constructing a conscious animal form. Following the ceremony, she is wrapped warmly and carried out into the darkness to be placed under the stars. There she can behold the sacred night sky. The song changes 
becoming less audible. As they transition into listening and responding through the gestures of their fingers. I can feel the elder's gaze shift. He is speaking directly to the friend across from me, sitting here in this room. I speak out loud for him, and my voice seems to deepen and become more sonorous. Look into this mirror of who you are, friend of listener. You are one who will never forget, for you hold deep within your being the living memory of a true awakening and of all the wisdom that was imparted to you. The powerful chanting that drew you back from the gates of defeat continues in perpetual chorus under all your layers of self, ever reminding you of the reality of who you are and what you are a part of. Because of this experience, you will forever hold compassion and experience boundless love for the less conscious animal forms of this earthly realm. You also made a decision that became an underlying principle of your eternal self. You decided that day to never lose yourself or identify as a creature birthed by this earth, but rather to tread lightly upon its surface and never wander too far away from the seat of the soul. You made a promise to always love and respect this world, but never become too much a part of it. The lineage of this commitment can be traced through the decisions of all your lifetimes. You always held, protected within you, the records of realization which were placed into your very being during this ancient ceremony. You can still hear the whispers of those united voices echoing through the deepest caverns of your soul's memory. I'm being drawn back now, halting some distance from the village of dome-like structures and looking out at the surrounding barren tundra with its infrequent gnarled trees. It bends at the horizon, giving way to the vast sky. With a further step back, I am pulled away from the earth itself and see the shrouding rays of the atmosphere wrapping around the planet. We stop at what must be an unfathomable distance away, but it doesn't feel like any distance at all, as if I could reach out and stroke the crust of the earth. Thank you, said the friend, simply. All my life I've been unable to live in my body easily. It has always felt like I was born with one foot in the spirit and one foot on the earth. I resonate with this story, for I love the earth, but can't fully be part of it. Thank you, 
for giving this memory to me. It even explains the landscape that I most love. I open my eyes now into this world time to see friends sitting there reflectively, her slender, beautiful form silhouetted in the winter's twilight coming through the windows, not unlike the weak light in the landscape of this memory.